0: Hi everyone we start a brand new preaching series today looking at diversity not the dance act from Britain's Got Talent sadly but how to build a radically inclusive multicultural church how to move from a predominantly white middle-class church to one that is full of different colours and cultures and backgrounds why are we looking at this now well honestly I thought that As we focus as a church on discipleship, as we preached about being a welcoming, loving church family, um, when I think of all the brilliant people that are part of our church, I just thought the diversity thing would happen. However, I guess what we're realising is that we have vastly underestimated what it takes to build something like that. So I believe now is the time to invest and teach and to work on it. And even though I think the majority of us want to be part of a church that's just like that, it's actually a really challenging thing to talk about because we see the issues from our own narrow perspective or some of these issues have been hijacked by politics and it's really easy to oversimplify or think we understand when we don't. We can often hear someone speak about racism and prejudice and immediately think they're just being over the top. They're exaggerating. This is political correctness gone mad. And it feels like the people who are doing the talking, they just seem a little bit holier than thou or smug or posh or educated and judgmental. And that's how hard when you yourself feel that deep down you're, you're not racist or you can feel that this is a difficult conversation because you're white and educated and this conversation always feels like a personal attack you, you've not done enough you could do better your silence and inaction has left people hurt and isolated you're offending people you don't even know it and it can leave you just feeling paralyzed because you're so super conscious of causing offense in conversation so you just avoid them or if you're a person of color this is not only personally painful, but talking about it means everyone suddenly maybe seems to be looking at you. And when someone is nice, are they simply doing it to tick a box of inclusion rather than actually liking you as a friend? Is it tokenism? Is it fake? Is it real? And so my days that I mean, what a challenging and costly issue for us to address, dress together. In fact, I'm sure I'm going to say some st- Wrong things that at some point will unintentionally cause offence. And so listen, ground rules, just as we start this series, is an appeal for grace and humility from everyone. But know this, we're risking misunderstanding and hurt because we believe a multicultural family is much more than just a hashtag or a fad. But it's based in the design and desire of God himself. And to help mitigate some of these pitfalls of misunderstanding, we're actually going to hear different voices from different backgrounds addressing the same issues to help us along the way. So this in our first week of the series, I want to show you why this is such an important issue right now. And to do that, we're going to look at the big picture, the big story of the Bible. You see, every great story has its plot and its themes and its storyline, a problem to be solved, someone to be rescued, a promise of happily ever after. In one sense, the Bible's no different. So um, uh, Cinderella, very popular children's story. What's the big picture? Well, the big picture is a stepmother and sister's that enslave cinderella a fairy godmother who gets her to the ball you've got a prince who pursues the owner of the glass slipper and then you've got the prince falling in love with cinders and then living happily ever after or the lord of the rings you've got a ring of power created that is used for evil but wonderfully the hobbits destroy it and peace is restored And the Bible flows like that. And theologians over the years have described God's work in the world in the Bible through four movements, creation, fall, redemption and new creation. You can see those on the screen now. Creation, God creates the earth, the universe and humans, and it is good. Fall is where sin and rebellion enters the world as the serpent tempts Adam and Eve. Redemption is where Jesus restores people back to God and each other and new creation is in heaven where all evil is gone and God is with his people and we're going to apply this storyline to understanding our world particularly issues like race and diversity and multiculturalism so let's just dive straight in let's talk about creation Genesis 1.26, right at the start of the Bible, tells us mankind was created in the image of God. It says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. God puts something of himself into our design as a human. And listen, who knows what you think when you see yourself in the mirror, but when God looks at you, he sees something of himself in you. And this immediately tells us that no one is better than another. We all have the same value and dignity and worth in God's sight. We're made in his image, which in turn turn means that no one should ever be marginalised or excluded because everyone should be prized and cared for. Just think of Hagar. She's an African slave woman that is shunned by Abraham and Sarah. Yet she declares in Genesis 16 verse 13, you are the God who sees me. God saw her and cared for her because she was made in his image, with value, with dignity. And so listen, dignity and value right at the beginning of the story in creation, but also the creation account in Genesis 1 seems to particularly delight in diversity. There's the moon and the sun and the stars and plants and animals and people all made with dazzling diversity. If you've never read Psalm 8, the psalmist delights in the creativity and the heart of God. I did some research this week and found out how many species of plants and animals scientists think there are on the earth. Why don't you just have a guess? How many species, how many different species of plants and animals on earth? Get a little number in your head. The answer is 8.7 million species. And if you just take insects alone, there are 1 million species of insects. Can any of you guess how many insects there are per human? We, we tried this in our house, how many insects per human? And the answers range from about 10 to, uh, I think, about 1,000. The answer is one point four. Billion. There are 1.4 billion insects per human. That in itself is a reason to never ever go camping. So this means our diversity is something to be prized. We're, we're not to pretend we're all the same and see no colour. Diversity is good. It's a God thing. Um, so when we read in Galatians 3 verse 28 that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female in Christ, it cannot mean that the gospel wipes out all human difference. We don't all become race, class and gender neutral. No, it means that the gospel rightly orders our differences with number one being our identity in Christ. After all, the God in whose image we are made is himself a mysterious unity of eternal difference. The father is not the son. The son is not the spirit. The spirit is not the father, yet they are one. Therefore, our church is not called to be colorblind, but celebrate the richness of our God-given differences. But then comes the fall sadly the beauty of god's image the incredible diversity in creation is shattered by sin's impact adam and eve's sin was to rebel against god's goodness they thought they knew better and it fractured their relationship with god vertically and their relationship with one another horizontally and because they represented all of humanity their actions still affect us too we have through our attitudes and our actions declared ourselves to be god's enemies And this rebellion results in physical and spiritual death. And so listen, division and segregation and hostility now exists among the diversity, among genders and ages and races and families and neighbourhoods and nations. Diversity becomes disunity because of sin. And so however nice and compassionate you may be, we have preferences and prejudice. We fail to love others, or we only love those that are similar to us that we understand and connect with. We make judgments about certain people. Uh, we often unconsciously exclude. We make people feel ignored or unloved or less than. You can fill out the blank in the way that it works for you in your own heart. But listen, sin is also bigger than what is going on in our selfish hearts. The Bible describes sin as a force that impacts all of creation like a virus we know something about that systems politics culture the church they've all been impacted by sin's power the whole society is infected and personally that's been some of my journey over the last few years of seeing a glimpse of how difficult it is for people of color because the sin that is just in society yes of course white people have problems but they don't have the problems that come from not being white sin breaks down the goodness of diversity it pulls us away from each other and i wonder what you think it looks like in your life in your relationships in your world personally i think all this means each of us need to approach god humbly particularly in this series because look no one's sinless no one's perfect But it also means that when we look closely at our church family, sadly, there will be exclusion and prejudice and bias and judgment. It's going to be a lack of love and misunderstanding, whether it's intentional or unintentional. And sadly, it does mean that any differences of race and class and education, sexual orientation and age, it will exist and it will work to force us apart and people will feel marginalised. And that, I guess, has been our overwhelming feedback as we've asked people of colour, what's it like to be in Mosaic Church? And there are good things. But what has come up time and time again is this sense of there are bigger obstacles into community that people of colour face than white educated people face. So I hope you're asking in your heart, how on earth do we overcome this? Well, let's talk about Redemption. Jesus comes to fix everything that has gone wrong, to restore people back to God and to one another. He dies in our place at the cross. His resurrection, when he rises from the grave, he defeats the power of sin and death and he restores everything that was lost in the fall. You know... I know sometimes you don't believe it but I'm actually old enough to remember watching the Berlin Wall uh, that divided east from west being dismantled and broken down in 1989. I know some of you were not even born at that point but the Apostle Paul uses this idea of a wall that is demolished to describe Jesus' victory over sin and death and the implications for racial diversity and division. So a bit of background 2000 years ago there was this very deeply complex and very feisty relationship and rivalry between Jewish people and Gentile people. They were non-Jewish people. It was racial, so they just thought less of each other. It was cultural and religious, so uh, they each had different ways of practicing their religion and feasts and customs. It was physical, so Jewish men, they'd been circumcised as a sign of being in God's people. They looked different and it was historical. The Jews had promises, history with God, and this relationship was racist, judgmental. And it was into that the apostle Paul describes what the cross of Christ has, has done. He says this in Ephesians 2 verse 14, for he himself is our peace, this is Jesus, he's our peace, who has made these two groups one and has destroyed this barrier, this dividing wall of hostility By setting aside in the flesh the law with its commands and its regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. See, let's just land here for a little bit. The Apostle Paul says, With sin defeated, the longstanding division... This wall of separation has been completely obliterated. Jesus, verse 14, has destroyed the barrier, the divine wall of, of hostility. Jesus also deals with the ceremonial purity laws, the religious aspect, which separated Jew from Jews from everyone else by keeping the law perfectly himself. Verse 15, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations and then he does this he creates a new humanity one new tribe verse 16 his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace where our identity first and foremost in christ you can think of it a little bit like this jesus restores our relationship with god for you and me but as we grow towards our intimacy and relationship with god we also grow in intimacy with one another. We grow closer to God, we grow closer to each other. So listen, are there people that you are hostile to? Are there people that are different from you? Are there people around you whose life is very different from your own, yet God is calling you closer to? You see, we're now family, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, with the same father, with new responsibilities towards each other. Paul says, Jesus preaches a double peace, peace with God through grace alone and peace with one another in a new reconciled body, the church. So what does this actually mean for us? Well, I think it's worth just pausing and thinking, what does Jesus' victory over sin and death mean for my relationships and us building a multicultural church? You know, I think everything that should divide us, things like race and culture and historical differences are no longer impossible barriers to overcome. That is such good news. Jesus dismantles the power of sin that separates us and joins us powerfully together in his body. And that means that we strive to live in the good of these broken down walls that used to separate us. It means that we refuse to settle for a white majority church. We, we put an end to segregated Sundays where one colour meets here, one colour meets here, one colour meets here. We come together in God's house. And yes, we've got to apply uh, this good news to race. But also we've got to get to things like class, this is such a big deal. Often differences in class, lower class, working class, um, the middle classes, the upper classes, so much those differences are much bigger than people of different cultures who are of the same class. But listen, Jesus has called us to something greater, and this series is our attempt to start talking about it and doing something about it. And we long for the new creation that's the end of the story the story ends in heaven a newly created earth where all sin and evil and racism and vision and exclusion are gone forever where diversity is prized with a multitude of tribes and nations and tongues bringing their cultural distinctiveness to christ in worship revelation 7 says i looked again i saw a huge crowd too huge to count everyone was there all nations tribes races and languages there is a retaining of uniqueness There's tribes, there's languages, but there is a unity around Jesus that is beautiful. So listen, creation, fall, redemption and new creation. What does this mean for us as a church? Well, because of Jesus, the church can be known for what Dr. David Anderson has written this great book. Because of Jesus, uh, we can be a church that's known for gracism rather than racism. Um, Michael Byrd commenting on this book says this, Gracism means extending favour to others, irrespective of colour, class or culture. Yes, I know that gracism sounds cornier than a cornfield in Cornville, Iowa, but it rings true. Gracism means that nobody will ever be asked to sit in the back of the church bus. Gracism means that we can never say equal but separate, separate. Gracism means that we deliberately desire to have multi-ethnic and interracial friendships. Gracism means that we sinners who have been reconciled to God can now be agents of reconciliation with each other. I hope you're saying amen in your heart to this. Gracism issues forth in a radical deconstruction of all caste systems. Gracism means that grace is both preached and practice towards others. Gracism means that the most ruthless and efficient way to destroy our tribal enemies is by making them our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can live as gracists because of Jesus's grace towards us. Amen. Mosaic. We are to be gracists. Seriously, each one of us can be part of fixing what is broken each one of us can step towards something someone else to make this happen yes it's challenging yes it's complicated but Jesus has made it possible and if you don't know Jesus I wonder where your hope for a a unified but diverse world is you see this is where the church has a different message to the world on our own we will just mess this up but with Jesus restoration is possible why not choose him today if you're not a Christian and you long for a world that is united then that can only happen through Jesus Christ listen to finish I want you to listen to my friend Toppy Toppy leads a large multicultural church in our family of churches. He's going to talk about what it means practically to build a radically inclusive multicultural family. He's going to describe three movements we need to make if we believe Ephesians 2 to be true.
1: Over to you, Toppy. For us to live it out rightly, we must learn three lessons. Number one, we must go beyond integration to acceptance. Beyond Integration to acceptance. You see, integration says, let's all fix it by laws. Well, I'm, I thank God for the laws. I thank God that we have laws that say, you know what? You cannot be racist. You cannot be discriminatory. We cannot in the workplaces and so on. I thank God for that. But you just need to know, as good as the laws are, the Bible, the gospel the mouths, we go beyond integration to acceptance. That we receive everyone by grace. That there's true acceptance Law says, you know, you stay on the outside and you're permitted to look in. We'll find a place for you to fit. Grace, on the other hand, true acceptance says, you get to be on the inside and look out and see who else you can bring in. Law and integration says, tokenism will do. The superficial expressions, you know, let's have five white ones, let's have five black ones. Okay, we look fine now. The deal is done. Let's have a rest. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Is saying that actually yes, we want to put forth and we want to dis- we want people to see what it is we have in our hearts, so we fight for that. But we never stop there, or, otherwise it is tokenism. We may start with that kind of bringing it all together, but in the end, actually, it, there's so much more better, good structures beneath it that holds it firm, that lets it be the natural, organic, true acceptance where it just flows by the grace of God Almighty. Where where we get to the point where we're no longer deciding, is that a black one? Is that a white one? How many? Why not? Well, we get beyond that because by the grace of God, we know that all hearts are good, clean. Everyone doing the best they can. And we put forward that we might glorify God. Everyone is accepted in His house. In His house. Integration says, you know, uh, you're a person... Yes, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, we like you each and your views may count. True acceptance says you're completely valued in this house. It recognizes human beings are completely the same made by God. We must go beyond integration to acceptance. Secondly, we must go beyond toleration to love. Beyond toleration to love. Toleration says, look, I don't like you, but I won't harm you. Toleration says, you know what? you stay in your lane and I'll stay in my lane. Okay? I know we're in the same church but you just do your bit, I'll just do my bit. I'll, I'll tolerate you but don't expect me to like you or love you. Toleration says, you know what, let us agree to disagree. Well, in the body of Christ in the church, that is, you have not so learned Christ. That's not how we learned of Jesus. No, we must go beyond toleration to love. Love says, I acknowledge the differences but I love the differences knowing that these are natural things built there, made there by God who himself loves it. Why don't we, wherever there are adjustments that need to be made, let us let this gospel change us together. That's what love says. Because it accepts the other. We must go beyond integration to acceptance. We must go beyond toleration to love. And then thirdly, we must go beyond native kingdom to kingdom culture. Beyond our own native culture to kingdom culture. Because we all have our own culture. We all grew up in certain areas and places. But the point is this. No matter how good your culture is, you can never let your culture trump scripture. Scripture must always trump culture. It must always trump culture. Therefore, we need to be careful that we do not begin to live with one another with a kind of political correctness that's no good the last thing i want is for anyone is to walk around me. i don't want my white brothers and sisters to walk around me like on eggshells like i don't want to get it wrong i don't want to get it wrong that no one thrives in that and whatever that is it is not unity of the spirit and neither should my white brothers want you know uh, uh, um Neither should I feel funny or strange, different around my white brothers. We are all one in Christ by the grace of God. And so everybody has a voice. Everybody has a place. Everybody has an opportunity. Everybody is valued. And yet in all that, we mustn't give in to political correctness because political correctness mandates perfection in expression. Political correctness says, you better say it right or else. Well, I don't, I just choose As a black man, I do not want to be that kind of Christian that demands and mandates it in every way from everyone, every time, perfection in expression. As long as I know that the heart is good, I'm going to help that person change. And I'm going to let that person help me change also. That's how the gospel makes permanent Christ-centered change in our lives. I often joke, you know, when people say, what's your name? Well, if you really want to know my name, I'll give you my full Nigerian name. It's Temitakwe Orelu Watoyos, Yolushe If You're white, you could never say that name. Ever. It's on purpose. You could never say it. You, you, it's never given to your tongue to say it. But I don't mandate for my brothers to say it. Most people will call me Tuppy because I like it so. In fact, for the most part, these other Nigerians are like, that's not his name. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I like it so. I see it like a nickname. Look at me. He did not die on a bloodstained cross so that people could pronounce my name correctly. But the other flip side also is important. He didn't die on a bloodstained cross for you not to be even willing to bother to know me and to pronounce my name correctly. The gospel goes beyond integration to acceptance. It goes beyond toleration to love. It goes beyond native culture to kingdom culture. And when we do this well and right, (laughs) then amongst us, we will realize that there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. What's the Bible trying to say there? that we are all of equal value before God.
0: So let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would move beyond integration to acceptance. I pray that we would really believe that we have equal value in Christ. Everyone gets to be on the inside. We can avoid tokenism. Lord, I pray that we would move beyond toleration to love, to love. Help us not to stay in our lane, help us not to tolerate, but to actually like others, rather than than, uh, walk away from each other, help us to walk towards one another. Let the love that Jesus has for us overflow into the love that we have for others. And God help us move beyond native culture to kingdom culture. We wanna say no to fear or political correctness that demands perfection. But God, I pray for humility and grace in our church family that we would see the impact of the cross, the beauty of diversity and unity impacting the way that we live, our friendships and our community life together. Amen.